Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. And welcome to Oscar season and our countdown to the Academy Awards as each week one Best Picture winner will be taking on a challenger. On this week's episode, In the Red Corner... It's the highest grossing film of 1976. It received 10 Oscar nominations, going on to win three of those, including, of course, Best Picture. It turned its writer and leading actor into a star and began a franchise that is still going strong today. Just like the pet turtles sliced alone buys in the film. Our first movie this week is, of course, Rocky. His name is Sylvester Stallone. He's the star of a new film called Rocky. He's been described as tough, handsome, talented. He's every nobody who ever needed somebody. He's the man who never had a chance until now. Rocky, his whole life was a million to one shot. While in the blue corner, nearly 40 years after the original film, Stallone picks up his second acting Oscar nomination once again, playing the Italian stallion Rocky Balboa, training Michael B. Jordan's Adonis Creed. On Thursday, we'll see how the franchise is looking and how those turtles are doing. As from 2015, we're talking Creed. You're not built for this. These boys come in here, they gotta fight for life. People die in the ring. Your daddy died in the ring. I don't know him. I ain't got nothing to do with me. I've been fighting my whole life. It's not a choice for me. Every punch I ever thrown has been on my own. Nobody showed me how to do this. I'm ready. So what connects these two films and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Putters. You're going to eat lightning and you're going to crap thunder. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. How are you both? Miss you guys still? Still miss you guys. That hasn't gone away. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> you not got over it. No. no good. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, th- I think I'm missing you even more having uh, been 
watching these films for the last few days. It's uh, it's been an emotional roller coaster. How has it been for you, Victoria? Oh man, what? Why are you missing us more? Because when you think of boxing, you think of me. Is that right? <laughs> I mean, not... you're a you're a fighter. <laughs> That's true. Thanks. Um, yeah, it was quite emotional actually. I've done a mm. lot of crying, uh, mm. proper proper like snot crying though. Like yeah. Yeah. I've had to hide away in various different rooms of the house because I, I still feel weird about being seen to be crying at a film. So I've sort of been running. It's been a running battle with me and my laptop running from room to room trying to watch these films. I went and saw Rocky Balboa with a very good friend of mine who was my editor at the time, Tom Hawker, and my brother who I watched the the Rocky films with growing up. And that was funny. At the end of that, we couldn't talk to each other. It was super embarrassing in the cinema. We both just sort of went to different directions outside until we met up again because we didn't want to see each other crying. You yeah. boys. Honestly, it's, it's not good for you. It's bad for you. Just let it out. I've got no that's shame. What, that's what we've been doing. That's been but, the problem. We've been letting secret. it out too much. <laughs> right, okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, well... This week's clash then, Rocky versus Creed. These were my choices as what better way to kick off our clash Oscar season than with two films involving a clash. It's a clash within a clash within a clash. It's all very Inception. Plus, I think we've got a very close fight on our hands with these two, mm. which I find exciting. We've had a couple of a couple of interesting battles recently, but a couple of battles that I think there's been a clear winner. Whereas this uh, this week, I'm I'm going to be very interested to see which way we go. Uh, the clue I gave on last week's show was uh, one that I came up with on the on the spur of the moment, which is why it was so bloody easy. Punching above his weight, uh, Chris then followed that up on Twitter with something rather special. What was it, Chris? Uh, it was something about en- enrolling. We're enrolling in the school of hard knocks, then transferring to the school of rock. It's, uh, it's good. It's good. I took a moment after that just to think about you and our friendship and how proud I am that you're my friend. <laughs> it was that good a clue. There's going to there's gonna be a lot of emotion in this show. I'm just telling you right now. This, it's going to be an emotional episode. Uh, so the guesses Kayla came uh, flying in on Twitter. We're at ClashPod on Twitter. That's at ClashPod and also on Instagram at ClashPod. Just a quick note. I know Chris mentioned this on Twitter, but to keep the pairings as interesting as possible, only one of the films in the pair has to be a best picture winner for all your future guesses. Defiant Monk, hello, went with Rocky versus The Fighter. Chris Johnson and Kevin Kosh went with Rocky versus Raging Bull. Saz went Rocky versus The Karate Kid. Anthony M. Rose, Rocky versus Whiplash. And Matt went Rocky versus The Rocky Horror Picture Show starring Tim Curry, which completes this week's obligatory Tim Curry reference. The correct answers, however, were from Paul Logue, who was just beaten to the punch by our old friend Gary Bailey, who now has two weeks in a row with the quickest correct answer he's our very own twitalian stallion <laughs> i'm i'm proud yeah. of my friend <laughs> <laughs> right the connection section uh, i'll start turtles there are there are turtles that have survived uh, the length of this franchise they are in creed 2 which i know we're not talking about but i do believe they're in the background of creed as well cuff and link the turtles rocky <laughs> buys that's I where mean, i'm starting i mean this section was all about sort of random similarities between the films but here they're obviously intentional because these films are sequels and mirror images and creed's like a shadow of rocky so i mean there, there's going to be a lot isn't there are you saying you don't want to do it? Just say you don't, you don't have to like, <laughs> mollycoddle me. Philly cheesesteaks. Philly cheesesteaks. Right. 
Boxing. <laughs> All right, let's not do it then. If, that, if that's oh, what you're going to say, we shouldn't do it. I've got a good one. I've got losing is winning. Oh, there you nice. go. Yeah. Very good. Right. So uh, let's crack on with this then. Um, on Thursday's episode, V is going to be throwing her weight around. But today, Chris is coming out swinging with Rocky. Chris, take us on a journey. This prequel to the 2015 film Creed is an origin story for the man who would eventually become Adonis Johnson's trainer. Donnie's dad Apollo is heavyweight champion of the world and looking forward to defending his title in Philadelphia during America's bicentennial celebrations. But his opponent injures his hand, inspiring Apollo to offer the fight to local journeyman boxer Rocky Balboa. The Italian stallion takes the fight and spurred on by the love of a good woman and the support of a penguin, he goes the distance, setting events in motion that lead directly to the death of Donnie's dad, thus paving the way for Thursday's film. See what I mean? It's going to be an emotion. Oh, listen to the emotion in that synopsis. That's that's. It's a lot of emotion here. A lot of emotion. So, um, how long has Rocky been in your life, Alex? A weird one for me. So, I was watching this film, and I, I know I've seen it before, but I don't think I think I was too young. I know we've discussed this on the pod before, where you can watch a film and you just don't have the mental uh, ability at that point in your life to fully understand some of the themes that are at play here. And also, I saw Rocky Four before I saw mm. Rocky, and so I'd been led to believe that all Rocky films were going to be big, beefy story beats with really evil antagonists and warring nations, and this isn't that film. So watching it this time was a real eye-opener. Uh, so I, I feel like I, I've kind of seen it for the first time. That's lovely. How about you, Vicky? Well, um, I'll tell you what's worse than being me at school, and that's being me at school, but also being a terrible violinist who is forced to play the violin in public. <laughs> and I still I get like shivers thinking about it because I was so unspeakably bad at the violin despite years of sort of practice. Do you understand um, the question I'm, I'm asking you about? Yeah, wait, I'm getting <laughs> okay. there. I'm getting Sorry, there, right? So then, so then a music teacher, our, we, well, our music teacher, he took pity on me and he gave me a bass guitar because the bass guitar is the violin backwards. And that meant I spent the next 12 months of my life going round churches and care homes in Blackburn in this small orchestra playing the Rocky theme song on the bass guitar. <laughs> wow. So picture me, 15. Wait, wait, how's it going? Boom, boom. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to perform it now? Are you gonna... <laughs> the bass is in the shed, unbelievably. Um, so yeah. So and then I got. I remember I got bored of it because you just going bomb, bomb, like endlessly. So I tried to put a little slide in there, boom, boom, and the music teacher was like, "No, read the music." <laughs> so anyway. So then I was like, maybe I should watch this film because I appear to be so committed to it. And I, I watched it, but I was 15 and I didn't get it. And I haven't seen it since until last week. I felt like since we since we started the podcast, I've, I've been sort of suggesting Rocky and Creed or wanting to do it. And I felt yeah. like I've got sort of rolled eyes from the pair of you whenever I brought the subject up. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just choking on my tea. Nettle <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. tea. Or tears. <laughs> 
I'm drinking nettle tea, like some sort of fucking hippie. It's fine. Listen, that story clearly brought back a lot for you. You can cry on this show. I've already said it's an emotional episode, and I'm pleased you're crying already. I like the tea excuse, but yeah. those are tears, and that's fine. I do sound like I'm crying, don't I? It's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Hold the emotion oh, God. in. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. I'm all right. All right, well, for me, my I guess my dad liked boxing. He used to go to Bruno fights, I remember, and my older cousins were into boxing and Rocky. So I think I've been, I've been watching these films ever since I can remember. But I think I'm like Alex and that my way in was probably through Rocky Four or Rocky... Certainly I had a Rocky Three poster on my wall, so probably Rocky Three, then Rocky Four. I've got fond memories of watching that on video over and over again. And so I think I found Rocky... The Rocky, the first film, when I finally watched it, a bit of a slog when I was a little kid. But then I've mm. I've watched it over I've watched it over and over again since. And the the character in these films were a huge part of my childhood, and it's been quite lovely having them sort of come back in via Creed and 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 those two films being so good as well. So yeah, Rocky's always been there for me. You can you can you can be honest with us. It's Rocky Three that's your movie because of your strange childhood fascination. I say strange, your acceptable childhood fascination with Mr. T and uh, a very early episode of this very show where hmm. you made us do the strongest man in the world, which we still get messages from people saying how much they enjoy that episode. So I know that's you. So, <laughs> it, it, but but fine. Yeah, we do. <laughs> uh, shall we talk about the movie then? Let's talk about the making of the movie first because this this is a, a long, big story. But this is going to be a shortened version because I lost all my notes yesterday. Oh, so I, had, <laughs> I had to rewrite them overnight. I don't know how I did it. So See, this is the- emotion. <laughs> this is an emotional episode. But to be honest, they were a bit too long. So this is probably a better version of what I was going to say. Um, but it's sort of Hollywood folklore, even the making of Rocky. And and going through the stories, I've got the DVDs, I've got books about Rocky, the movies, um, and, and it's tough to separate the fact from fiction as the story has become a myth and a legend over time and the main players seem to regularly rewrite their roles in this story. So you've got very different quotes from Stallone in the 70s to in the 80s to, to more recently. But what we do know is that Sylvester Stallone was an actor in the mid-1970s who moved to California and decided that the only way he would get the kind of role he wanted was by writing it himself. Then in 1975, he saw a boxing match. And this is a quote from him. I went out to see Muhammad Ali fight Chuck Wepner. And what I saw was pretty extraordinary. I saw a man called the Bayonne Blader, uh, Bleeder fight the greatest fighter who ever lived. For one brief moment, this supposed stumble bum turned out to be magnificent. And he lasted and knocked the champ down. We had witnessed an incredible triumph of the human spirit and we loved it. That night, Rocky Balboa was born. So do you guys know much about Chuck Wepner? I've never heard of him. Yeah, I do. From Because uh, I was kind of fascinated with how this came about. And, um, and like you say, the changing story um, about the inspiration for Rocky uh, led me down the rabbit hole of finding out who Chuck Wepner was. Yeah, because I want to do a bit of a, a tangent. A couple of years ago, I wrote an article about him because I was I was similarly intrigued, Alex, and and his story, like the Rocky story, is a bit mad as it goes on. But Chuck Webner's story is madder. Mm. Um, he 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 bounced at a go go club at nights and then spent his days training as a heavyweight. And how he would keep fit was running up the steps of the Hudson County Park at the end of sessions, which influenced Rocky, although Stallone will claim it didn't, because as you say, this story's changed. Early on in the Rocky story, um, Stallone would would put a lot of the credit to, to Wepner and Wepner's story. 
But more recently, certainly when there were legal issues, he says it's sort of got nothing to do with him. So um, the Muhammad Ali fight is this famous um, uh, bout where in the ninth round, um, with a big right hand to the ribs, he knocked the champ down. And it was only the third time Muhammad Ali had hit the canvas in his career. But if you look at photos of that fight um, and footage, he was actually standing on Muhammad Ali's foot at the time of the punch. <gasps> uh, no, I don't think on purpose, but it wasn't a proper knockdown. Um, and they've, they've argued about that ever since the two boxers did. But um, that was a big mistake because Muhammad Ali got up before the 10 count and he was mad and he proceeded to pummel him for the rest of the fight. But the bleeder wouldn't go down. Um, uh, the fight was finally stopped in the 15th and final round with just 19 seconds remaining. And he became a star. But his career quickly took some really strange turns. So um, not long after, he fought a mixed match against our old friend Andre the Giant. That's right. Yes. <laughs> and this is nuts. Yeah, that was touted as the War of the Worlds. And it mm. obviously inspired um, Rocky fighting Hulk Hogan, uh, Hulk Hogan's character Thunderlips in Rocky Three. Yeah. Um, it yeah, because it's the same. It's the same scene, isn't it? Because um, Andre the Giant tosses uh, Chuck out of the um, out of the ring, which is yep. where, which is what Hulk Hogan does. Yep, yep, yep. Chuck right. lost that fight, and he, as you say, he got tossed out of the ring. Um, but that was the last time he was tossed out of the ring because after this, he then boxed a bear called Victor. Twice. An actual bear. Yeah, twice. Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> wait, wait. Who who wanted the rematch? Who wasn't happy with the result the first well, time round? <laughs> uh, let, let me explain. Let me explain. So the first time, the plan was for Chuck to signal the bear's trainer when he'd had enough. At which point, the trainer would blow a whistle and Victor would back off. That's how Victor was trained. Um, the trouble is, Webner boxed Victor quite hard, resulting in the bear throwing Chuck across the ring and pinning him down so he couldn't make the signal. Um, he got battered by the bear. He, he he just about survived the match. And that makes it all the more insane that he agreed to get back in the ring with the very same bear a year later. Um, and this is a quote from him about that second fight. I'm sitting in the corner and I'm looking over at this bear sitting there with its beady little eyes. And I said to my trainer, this bear remembers that I hit him a few times. I'm telling you, <laughs> this bear's pissed off at me. The bell rang, the bear stood up on its hind legs, and I spun around. I tried to jump out between the ropes, and the bear took one leap, grabbed my leg, and when he pulled me, I got caught in the ropes, and he slung me out about 10 or 12 feet away from the ring. And Wepner didn't return to the wing and never fought Victor the bear again. Now, answer me this. Like, where is that franchise? Because there's, <laughs> there's a series of movies, Sylvester Stallone. Like, let's, get rid of, let's get rid of Rocky Five and get Victor the Bear in there, please. Well, five years ago, uh, the, the Chuck Webner story was made for real. Um, and it starred uh, Lee Schreiber played him. Oh, really? Oh. And so you do get the bear scenes in, in that movie, but no one mm. went to see it. I'm just happy the bear won, so that's that, I'm fine with that. As long as the yeah. bear, because you know, there's something, there is something slightly uh, of, of a bad taste about having a bear fight a man in a ring for entertainment. It, yeah. it, yes, especially as I believe the bear was defanged and declawed and drugged there and muzzled. Go. So yeah, of course, it's, it's deeply unpleasant if we're honest. But um, uh, Weppner's relationship with Stallone was a complicated one. Um, Sly wrote a role for him in Rocky II, uh, a character called Chink Webber. Um, but unfortunately, as happened uh, multiple times in Chuck's life, he got wasted the night before the audition and he failed. So uh, the character was written out of the film. Um, they hung out a few years later at Newark State Prison when Sly was shooting the movie Lock Up and Chuck was serving hard time there. Um, 
and they met well, up again. No, how, how do you imagine that meeting played out? <laughs> hey, buddy, how you doing? what are you doing here? Yeah, I'm serving hard here. time. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was in and out of prison uh, for drugs charges and 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 uh, violence and and this and that. So um, yeah, he's had a rough life, and, and he fell out with Sly eventually. When when Sly was shooting Copland in New Jersey, uh, Chuck was upset that he wasn't involved in the film in any way, shape, or form, as that was his hometown. And so at that point, he decided to sue Stallone for um, the movie, the Rocky movies. He made a right of publicity claim stating that the star improperly used his name to promote the films and never made good on promises he'd be paid. Stallone countered the suit by claiming that Wepner benefited by making public appearances as the real Rocky for decades, which is true. Um, unlike the movies, however, there was no dramatic um, climactic showdown because Stallone settled the lawsuit out of court for an undisclosed fee. And that's the end of my Chuck Wepner tangent. It's a good tangent, Chris. It's a good tangent. Any any tangent that involves a bear a bear fighting, <laughs> as 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 awful as that is, is still a good tangent. Good. So anyway, we're back to the mid seventies, and Stallone was on a casting call for an acting role, but quickly realised he wasn't right for the part. On the way out, he told producers Erwin Winkler and Robert Chartoff about the story he was writing, and they say they said he should bring it by. And this is where the legend and the myth all sort of build. He it was supposedly his twenty ninth birthday. He had one hundred six dollars in the bank. And he wrote Rocky by hand in three and a half days. Are you buying that, Vicky? No, because of by hand. <laughs> because my handwriting is awful. I couldn't write a check in three and a half days. So, no. <laughs> I believe his wife typed it up, was, is how the story goes. Oh, cute. <laughs> okay. Yeah, wasn't, wasn't he trying to sell his dog at the same time? So the legend goes because he couldn't afford to feed it. Yes, and it's Butkus that's actually yeah. uh, in the oh, movie. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was able to buy Buckus back with the money he made uh, selling Rocky. Uh, that first draft was pretty different to what audiences saw. Uh, Rocky was a racist. Uh, sorry, Rocky wasn't. Mickey was a racist in that version. Mm. Um, and Rocky throws the climactic fight, which is probably more in keeping of the films of the time that, that Stallone was trying to ape, the, the sort of mean streets or Scorsese world of, of sort of, um, you know, bad stuff happening on the streets. Mm. Uh, but ultimately it was his story Stallone said there were certain parallels between Rocky and me Rocky had drive and intelligence and the talent to be a fighter but nobody noticed him the second ingredient had to be me my particular story my inability to be recognised I felt Rocky to be the perfect vehicle for that kind of sensibility so I took my story and injected it into the body of Rocky Balboa because I felt no one would be interested in listening or watching or reading a story about a down and out struggling actor slash writer (laughs) Correct. It's probably true. Which is absolutely smart. That is, I read that and I was like, smart move. Like it's, <laughs> it's my story, but boxing. <laughs> um, this, the, the script went through nine rewrites and the producers decided they wanted to make it on the ninth, but um, the studio didn't want Stallone. Alex, I'm sure you know some of the actors who were up to this, up for this, especially as one of them's your fave. Yeah, Reynolds was in there. Mr. Burt Reynolds was in there. I think, didn't Warren Beatty say that he'd been offered the lead in this? Um, James Kahn? Yeah, James Kahn, Robert Redford and Ryan O'Neill uh, were the favourites at the time. That's who the studio wanted. Would you, would, you, would you have liked Burt Reynolds in this role? I can't honestly imagine anyone but Sylvester Stallone doing this role because of how entwined he is with the legend that he has created now. So it's difficult. It's difficult to retrofit anyone else into the role of mm. Rocky. 
I, I, I mean, I like the fact he was, you know, so bloody minded about it. It's, it's your, it's your age old Ben Affleck and Matt Damon story with uh, Goodwill Hunting, where they were told that this movie would get made overnight if they just let <laughs> other people play those bloody roles, and they stuck to their guns. Yeah, well, he was offered very little for the script in the end, but if, if he had sold them the script outright so that someone else could play the role, they would have paid him $360,000. And that's a lot of money back then. I mean, it's a lot of money mm. now, but mm. that's life-changing money. But he said, um, I knew in the back of my mind that if I sell this script and it does very well, I'm going to jump off the building if I'm not in it. Mm. Yeah. So he retained the role. They did the deal. Uh, Indy Helmer, John Avelson uh, came on board to direct, and the budget was cut from two and a half million to one million, and the shooting schedule was limited to just four weeks. Yeah. It's weird when you sort of, I mean, you sort of read about that and you go, well done, uh, Sylvester Stallone. But I think, you know, from reading, although it was after Rocky, from reading Joe Esterhouse's book, uh, Hollywood Animal, there's, there's a him talking about working with Sylvester Sloan on Fist in that. And then you read about why some of the actors, as we go through, turned down the opportunity to be in this. And a lot of it was because they were like, who, who's this kid who wants me to read for this part when I am X and I should just be given this part in this movie for the money that's being offered? And Sylvester Stallone was like, no, you, you have to screen test uh, for me. And I'll tell you if you can be in the movie. Yeah, he he was sure of himself um, from the work. I've got, I've got some interesting casting stories as well, but I think I'll talk about them as we go through the film. So should we talk about the movie? Yes, please. Okay. Uh, we kick off with the fanfare over the title flashing across the screen, which always sends a shiver up my spine. Um, yeah. <laughs> apparently, Avildsen, uh, on the director's commentary, he said that he added he added the fanfare over the title to wake up sales agents at an early morning screening they were doing. <laughs> he just slapped that together at the last minute. I mean, I, uh, what amazes me is this film is so intent on creating a legend that it's the only movie that I, I know where the title appears twice. It flashes across the screen at the start with a fanfare, and then it just pops up later. That's it. You're, you're naming the movie twice. I cannot think of another film where it goes, here's the title, and here it is again, just so you don't forget, because this is going to be a series. <laughs> well, I hadn't clocked that, but I guess that, that ties in with what I just said. He just slapped that on to, to wake up a sales agent rather than it being part of the plan. But, of course, it's part of the identity of these films now. Um, and we've got here, we've got Rocky fighting Spider Rico. In a, in a spit and sawdust joint. Um, and I love the set design and the lighting and the extras here. I feel like it's all really spot on, so you can practically smell the stale sweat and beer. Yeah, it's also a, a little bit of a way in. I, I don't know boxing particularly, and so this is, um, this is a way into sort of how boxing works and what is good and what is not good in terms of what you're allowed to do in the ring. And I wrote down, no hugging. That is... Uh, <laughs> It's something that is not allowed in the ring for very long. You're allowed a brief hug and then you must separate. There is a, Well, when you watch Boxing for Real, there's a surprising amount of hugging in boxing, particularly towards the end of the fight when, when, when the two fighters are tired. Um, mm. it's, you, just get, you, you, can, you can get some rounds and some bad fights where it's three minutes of, of the referee just separating two guys who are cuddling each other. Yeah. Which feels like a different, it feels like, a, it, I quite like it because it's like, oh, I'm so angry with you, here we go. No, I'm not really, here we go. Let's have a, <laughs> I'm angry again. It sort of adds, it adds, it adds a, bit of, a bit of love to the proceedings. 
But in terms of teaching the rules of boxing, then uh, Spider Rico does something you're not allowed to do, which is headbutts Rocky. And then we see Rocky batter the guy, which is interesting. Analyzing it this time, it sort of shows you what he's capable of if, if he really tries. So there is potential mm. there. So it's trying to set up a little bit what's becomes more far fetched as the film goes on. The fact that he could go the distance with the champion of the world. Um, have you seen Rocky Balboa? Either of you? No. No. Okay, this one of the very best ones. It would make a good bookend, actually, um, this film and that film. But one fun thing in that, because I, I rewatched that this week, um, is <laughs> Spider Rico. This is his only appearance in the Rocky franchise, apart from Rocky Balboa, where he ends up in Rocky's corner some 30 years later helping him out. Oh. Which is quite sweet. Oh, that is quite sweet. Oh, I know there's, helping... a, there's, a, there's a couple of little minor roles who do pop up again. In later Rocky films, as we go through this, yeah, Maria yeah, is one, the little girl, but I'm sure you've got it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that one is one I hadn't actually realised, I don't think, and that's a good one. But yeah, we'll get to that. Um, I want to talk about the hero's journey in mythology. We've done that before um, because this one really follows uh, that journey. So we're going to look at it through that prism, starting off with the ordinary world, mm. um, setting up Rocky's world. I'd say it's less ordinary and more shitty. <laughs> um, he lives in a really, truly disgusting apartment. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't want to jump ahead, but when Adrian first ends up in that apartment and, you know, she seems uncomfortable, I'd argue anyone would feel uncomfortable in that apartment. Do you know how many knives there are, like, <laughs> on the walls? He has a huge collection of knives. One of those knives is stabbed into an upturned sofa. <laughs> I just leave. <laughs> I just leave. I mean, I know she's shy, but really, get out of there. <laughs> and when Mickey, when Mickey first visits the apartment, the first thing he says is, nice place you've got here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we quickly uh, see that Rocky's been uh, kicked out of Mickey's gym because he's a tomato um, and he fights like a goddamn ape and uh, Mickey's mm -hmm. running a business, not a goddamn soup kitchen. Um, and so that's Mickey, played by Burgess Meredith. Uh, that role was written for uh, the great Lee J. Cobb, um, but he had no interest in a boxing film. He refused to read for it. Um, then acting legend Lee Strasberg was offered the role, uh, wow. but he asked for too much money. So uh, Burgess Meredith got it because he nailed the audition. Simple as that. And, and he even improvised lines uh, that ended up in the movie. So he's fantastic in it. Absolutely fantastic. I, 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 I just that scene when he comes around to the apartment and is trying to convince Rocky to let him be his manager is just it's just a really wow scene in a film full of wow scenes. And it was exciting as a kid in the eighties realizing that the penguin from Batman was Mickey. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> very exciting. Um, so we talk about save the cat moments as well quite a lot on this podcast where a protagonist does something nice, so we like them. Um, yeah, normally they just do one moment though. Yeah, here we here we get uh, twenty thirty. Uh, it's like I, it's, it, 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 there's a lot. You feel eventually that you are being slightly bludgeoned over the head by being told what a great guy Rocky is, considering he's an enforcer for a loan shark. I yes. mean, talk about not the right job for someone who is that nice. Uh, he helps a drunk into a bar. He refuses to break a guy's thumbs. Um, he walks a fifteen-year-old girl home while telling her not to be a whore. 
Yeah. Um, too, Is that too a nice many... thing to do to a 15-year-old girl? <laughs> well, like... it's a very cringeworthy scene until she turns around and says, screw you, creeper. Yeah, then it's amazing. I was uncomfortable <laughs> with it. And when she says that to him, and he talks to... You know, I hate it when people talk to themselves, but I didn't mind it here. What does he say? Something like, yeah, why should anybody listen to you? And it's like, well, at least you know it. Like, yeah, it's you it's don't self... think that you're this brave knight. Like, you know that to her, you are a scumbag. But as yeah. Alex said, he ends up dating that girl in Rocky Balboa. Oh no! But that's no. the brilliant. That's honestly that's the brilliance of this series. Is that as weird as that sounds? Stallone writes it in such a way that it works. That he met okay. this girl, uh, you know, a couple of times when she was fifteen and he was thirty, and now he's sixty and she's forty-five, and it's quite sweet the romance that develops between them. But. Um, it's it's funny that you both picked up on that scene because that that was the scene when I was like I, I, I it started off and I I think there'd just been a scene where he'd, he'd helped someone else out and then he was telling this girl how to live her life and this was the point where I was like this is too much now and then you know when he starts telling her she's like going to have a reputation for the rest of her life as a whore you're like oh and this is this is oh, not good uh, but it's throughout this film its self-awareness is astounding like it undoes everything that you think it's going to screw up i disagree okay uh there's one glaring blind spot but um i'll surprise you with it and we'll get there because we're not there yet Uh, the one thing that you haven't set up about this ordinary world um is the fact that there is not a single street in Philadelphia that Rocky won't walk down without shadow boxing. Uh, <laughs> he, he loves it. <laughs> like every time it's just a shot of him walking down the street, he's shadow boxing. Is that good? That's good though, isn't it? I found it a lot. There was a lot of shadow boxing. He's ba- when I he's mean, not boxing, he's bouncing his ball. He's always, he's always moving. He's always ducking and diving. Um, he hangs out with Paulie as well, who is an angry drunk um, who's jealous of Rocky. And I kind of feel like he's there as an example of what Rocky could become if he goes down the wrong path. Um, hmm. Paulie was supposed to be a woman in the original script. Um, he was Adrian's uh, mother, a oh. Jewish character. But Bert Young nailed the audition. And so Stallone did one of his rewrites and transformed what? him into an Italian <laughs> who works in a meat house. The casting call went out for an old Jewish mum and he turned up anyway and they were like, you know what, the actually, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can make it work, I promise you guys. Just give me a chance. <laughs> I thought, um, didn't he want Harvey Keitel for that role as well at one point? Uh, not according to the people on the documentary I watch. Okay. Well, unless, unless Harvey Keitel was going to play Adrian's Jewish mother, <laughs> <laughs> he's um, he's a very good drunk, Paulie. Like you know, so you can watch an actor play drunk, and you can watch an actor play drunk, and he's so convincing as a drunk. That scene where he walks home, uh, it's and it's a very upsetting scene. He's got the bin, and he's walking along the street, and he's drunk. So the story goes that an actual. Uh, alcoholic uh was out on the streets and wandered into the location and started shouting at Bert Young going that is not drunk that is not how you act drunk and started showing him while drunk how to be more drunk and Bert Young was like this guy actually knows his stuff and adapted his performance because of this guy just wandering onto the shoot <laughs> I I can remember finding the Paulie character very frightening when I was a kid I think yeah. it's because he's he's obviously a violent guy and he he's so unpredictable that that was that was terrifying when I was about six. Ding ding ding! Should we take a time out to have a break? 
Did you just do the bell? I did. <laughs> okay. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And we're back, and we've got Rocky awkwardly flirting with Paulie's sister Adrian, who works in a pet shop. Uh, do you know who's in the running to play Adrian? Yes. Who? Susan Sarandon, but she was too pretty. Yep. Um, oh, fuck, I forgot. Another, really. wi- another Witch of Eastwick. Oh, Cher. Cher. Uh, Cher. No way. Cher. Who, I yeah. think Cher would have been absolutely brilliant been in this amazing. role. She would have been amazing. Not that who they ended up with wasn't, but she would have been good. Yeah, uh, for sure. Bette Midler was also in the running. <laughs> Bloody hell, she would have eaten him alive. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, Carrie Snodgrass is an actress who... Um, we don't talk about often, um, but she got uh, she got the role, but her agent wanted too much money, so she lost the role, which uh, is gutting. And so it was at the very last minute they ended up casting um, Talia Shire, um, who is obviously great as Adrian. And I think it's fair to say the casting agent earned their money on this film because all four of those um, leads got nominated for an Academy Award that year. Yeah, I, I think and they're, she... all, they're all great as well. I, I, I wrote I wrote that down later. I think she really earns her nomination on this date uh, with Rocky um, that she goes on, uh, which starts in the worst way possible. 
with her brother losing his shit and throwing a cooked turkey out in the yard. Oh man, that blew my he- mind! Like that <laughs> delicious turkey, and he just chucks it in the yard. Like, so he yeah. just chucks it. He chucks it. He chucks it in the alley, but he keeps a bit for himself. So there's <laughs> yes. none left for anyone else. But he's got the bit that he wanted, which is even worse. Well, yeah. you do get hungry when you're pissed, don't you? It's so. obscene. It's yeah. It's, it's when she's like, you know, it's Thanksgiving. I've got a bird in the oven, and he's throwing. It's so. It's heartbreaking. Yes, and Adrian is distraught and she runs to her room. Uh, but then she emerges in her hat and glasses. And I like this sort of switch in her. She looks angry and determined. And I feel like she's ready to move on at this point. And that was sort of the, the straw that drove the ca- because she adjusts her hat. Like, she, I mean, come on. Come on. Let's right, let's let's do this. Okay, so no, they, no, the gloves the gloves are coming <laughs> off or are the gloves going on? I, I don't know the difference in terms of metaphor, which is the gloves are coming off. That's right, isn't right. it? Yeah. Yes. All right, yeah. Here we go. So the ice skating date. So um Adrian comes out of her room and she adjusts her glass oh not her glass, her hat or whatever. So that says to me, she's up for this, which is good because the fl- you called it awkward flirting. I call it unwanted advances in her place of work. And I'm not being a dick. She doesn't she barely speaks to him and he's like, Let me walk you home. Like, and for me watching that, it's like just leave her alone. Like she is not interested. And if she is interested but she's not saying, just leave her alone. Just stop going on at her. Like read the room, Rocky. Anyway. Anyway, do, but do you not had... think when she says goodnight, Rocky, at the end, that tells you that actually she's just shy? Because no, she, I don't. Because I think okay. a man twice her size, four times her strength, is harassing her at a place of work. And if she doesn't say goodnight to him, the next time he comes in, she doesn't want him to be angry. Well, well, she, and she, the, says, she says how she was playing it is that she's in, she really fancies him. And, and, and when you watch the scene, she can't stop looking at him. Every, every yeah. chance she gets, she's, she's sort of... This is, a, at him. this is a trouble. I don't think my reading of it is any any way the intention. It isn't, but it sure. just it's the ice skating. It starts really well because they can't get onto the ice, and Rocky is this big guy, and he smooths that out by talking. Brilliant, like because that could go either way, couldn't it? He could just hit this guy, and then 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 they get to have their date. And now all he does is talk about himself <laughs> on their date. No, I know, but like whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think I don't think she's going to go. Cool. So how long is he going to be out for? Because I guess that's how how long we have on the ice. <laughs> Just yeah. stay away from the spreading pool of blood. Yeah, but then they're on the ice, and he could at least pretend to be interested in her and ask her a question. <laughs> like, I, look, everything I know about gaming women, I learn from you two, and you always say to me, "Just ask questions." And she'll be all over you. <laughs> uh, but you see, I think I think this is him overcompensating because she's so quiet and he he's nervous. It's like it's just nervous monologuing. He's desperate to fill the dead air. So that's why the conversation, both in the pet shop and here, just goes like in the pet shop, it goes from birds looking like candy to whether she likes basketball <laughs> to the fact that he's not got a locker anymore at the gym. And you know, yeah. it's just like making attachments and just keeping something going. So he, he feels like, you know, it's not awkward. But this is where, right, so I understand that she's into him and it's smoothed out really quickly because after they've got together, she's into it. I get that. And I'm not saying there, I'm not saying there's a reading that was begging to be read, but look at it like on paper. She goes back to his, apart, his apartment, his place where he lives, and he's like, come in, come in, come in. And she doesn't want to. She says, I've got to go three or four times. And he says, you can trust me. So in she goes. He locks the door. That's she, weird. He, really weird, right? So yep. instantly anyone would be like red flag like i am in fucking trouble here then he's like sit down and how many times like there's a lot of people 
with an experience where someone has just patted the seat next to you and said, sit down, and you don't want to sit down, right? And then, <laughs> then he takes his top off. Then she asks to use the phone and he shouts out the window. That's quite mocking to me. He's like, well, I haven't got a phone. So I would be like, this is the place where I die at this point because, like, what the fuck is going on? Don't forget and the knives. Don't forget, don't the, forget knives. the knives. A lot of knives. And then he, she makes to leave. He blocks the door with his arm so she can't get out. And then he says to her, oh, God. He's like, give me a kiss, basically. You don't have to kiss me back. And to me, like, I'm obviously maybe I'm just coming out from too personal uh, angle, but that to me was like that's very upsetting. Um, all they had to do was write it so that he's like blocking the door is not cool, but whatever, okay. But she then initiates the kiss. That's all that needs to happen. And then every person watching it isn't like fuck me. Like it's creepy. It's triggering. It's too much. And I know it's not the intention. It's not the intention of the scene. So. I mean, I I do agree with you. There's a bit where he's, I think he's got the, uh, a pull-up bar, which is attached to a doorway. And he sort of puts, he's already taken his top off and then he puts both hands on it and sort of leans over her. And there is, I, I watched it and went, oh, that's, there's a menace to that stance where you're just mm. sort of trying to make yourself as big as possible. As big as possible, yeah, definitely. And I the mean, worst crime he commits is he then puts on a disco version of his own theme tune. <laughs> is there anything less sexy i just think it's a shame because it's a re- i found it really hard to watch all those moves are so like they are classic moves i there's lots of people that have heard um you don't have to kiss me back or just sit down or like because also he's like you he said you can trust me but then he blocks the door so this is that's not right and i don't think it's the intention of that character or the intention of sylvester stallone in writing this person he wants to write a sweet tender love story and it is apart from how it starts I think, I think, I think what it's trying to do, I mean, I think you're right. Yeah, it's a sweet and tender love story. But I think it's also trying to imply that she, because she's so shy and because of the work that he's had to do just to get her to go to the ice rink with him, he doesn't want that to be the end. Now, obviously, that's not his decision to make, but I think he views it as like she's, because of her shyness, she would walk out despite the fact that she wants to stay. So he wants to keep giving her the opportunity to stay. Do you see what I mean? I do. It just doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like he's giving her opportunities. It feels like he locked the fucking door. Like, that's mm. not the same thing. No, I agree. I agree. And I think it's a shame because it comes just after. I really like the ice rink scene because I like that visual of these two lost souls. <laughs> yeah. They end up holding each other up on the ice, which is a yeah. metaphor for what their relationship comes in this film. And then, and then as it goes on, when... When um she she becomes a much stronger character as 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 the series um goes on as well. I don't know whether it's true or not because it sounds like one of these these rumors that uh, manifest after a film. But it might be because they really had very little budget, as was proved with using crowd shots in the final fight from stock footage. But they actually intended to have that whole ice rink scene with extras around, uh, with an open ice rink that he took her to, and because they couldn't afford to fill it with enough extras to make it convincing. They rewrote the scene so he was asking a favour off the caretaker. Yeah, I think that is true because when you've got mm. less than a million, all that stuff counts. But yeah. we've come this far and we haven't even talked about the boxing because we've got the call to adventure now, uh, which comes from Apollo Creed. Um, they wanted a real boxer for Apollo, uh, but Ken Norton was deemed too big and Joe Frazier was too proficient and was going to kill Stallone in the ring. Um, <laughs> So they uh, went to boxers and athletes and, and with no joy. And then, then they spoke to uh, 
American football star, Carl Weathers, uh, walked in the room, uh, a football star turned actor. And he was full of bluster, is how they put it. He read lines with Stallone. And at the end, um, he said he'd do much better if he had a real actor reading lines with him. Ooh. Which um, Stallone said he thought he was arrogant and pompous and absolutely perfect for the part. He got the role in the room. So... <laughs> yeah, he, well, I think what well, I think they actually did some uh, test sparring, and Carl Weathers roughed him up a bit. He was too aggressive with Sylvester Stallone, and then made the accusation that it's because it wasn't the real actor. And had he been given the real actor, he wouldn't have roughed him up. And that's when it was like. Sorry, this is the writer and star of this movie, Carl. There's great footage of them sparring on the DVD, and I think it's on YouTube. I'll post it if, if I can find it. But, um, yeah, they were going at each other. But um, in the film, Creed's the heavyweight champion of the world, and his opponent for that bicentennial bout has broken a bone in his hand, so he needs a fighter. And he knows how to market a boxing match, so he decides to go for a novelty and offers the shot to a local boxer, um, Rocky Balboa, because his nickname is the Italian star. Italian and an Italian discovered America. Um, do you know why Sly picked that nickname for his character? Because it might be something everyone knows, but it's not something I'd clocked before. No. The, the softcore pornography came after and they just borrowed yes. his Rocky name. Right, okay. <laughs> um, Stallone is Italian for stallion. No. Is that right? I, I never, didn't know it's, that. It's really <laughs> obvious when you hear it, but I never connected the two. Is it really? Oh, that's yeah. fun. <laughs> that is fun. That, that scene where um, where Apollo is uh, is talking about why this is a good idea, and he's going, "It's sentimental," and Americans love sentimentality. And then he turns to Jurgens, and Jurgens is like, "I like it, Apollo. It's very American." And Apollo goes, "No, it's very smart." <laughs> and you get that feel of like a man who is like, yeah, I'm selling this as sentimentality. I'm a businessman. I know what's going to sell. I'm very clever. And it's that idea that and to a certain degree, it's what happens a lot where people are, are, are sold this idea of why this is a beautiful, uh, patriotic, or in this case, American thing, which is just a hugely nice gesture. But behind it, underneath the beating heart of all this is just business. Indeed. And we've got the refusal of the call now. Um, at first, Rocky thinks Apollo wants him as a sparring partner. He receives the offer and he says no. But that refusal of the call doesn't last long because then he crosses the threshold um, 30 seconds later. Um, he quickly accepts the fight and um, is soon on the telly promoting it. Uh, then we've got the meeting with the mentor because everyone wants a piece of the action. Uh, Paulie wants to get involved. The local mobster Garzo wants to get involved. And then Mickey comes to his door in a scene that Alex uh, mentioned. Um, he's hoping that Rocky will need a manager because Mickey has all this knowledge that he wants to pass on. And I, it's such a, a beautifully sad and honest scene watching him come cap in hand and Rocky turning him down because, he saw, as he says, he needed his help 10 years ago. Um, and it's it's interestingly staged as well because Rocky goes to the toilet and so <laughs> Mickey's almost begging him, saying I'm 76 years old and telling his stories through a toilet door. And, and as he trails off, you hear the toilet flushing, yeah. which, <laughs> which is such an unusual way to stage it. And, and it's so moving because Mickey, although he's absolutely destroyed, he doesn't let his head drop. He keeps yeah. it held high as he leaves and then he forgets his hat comes back for his hat and they have to face each other when Rocky comes out of the loo one more time and it's so agonising. This is what I mean about, like, there's still, Sylvester Stallone plays Rocky brilliantly because 
and that's why the stuff the earlier stuff just annoyed me not anno- that's not the right word just i just thought it was a bit of an inconsistency um because he's he goes for a piss when this man is like begging him but in any you know in another actor or another character you could be like oh that he's he's showing you complete disdain he's not even listening to he's gone for an actual piss but in this it's like i think it's more like awkwardness like he just mm. can't be near him when he's being that strong and he's he's begging him he just can't sort of face it so he just hides in he hasn't got another room so he hides in the toilet and it doesn't seem unsympathetic doesn't seem that cruel it just seems like he can't cope with the amount of emotion in front of him it's amazing because there's like three buttons like at the end of the scene really as well because you think it's ended when Mickey just leaves after Rocky's shut himself back in the toilet but then obviously you get Rocky's huge speech um, mm. which apparently was improvised on the day about his apartment stinks and his stinking apartment and that's because the tiny bathroom in the tiny apartment that they were using actually stank to hell. And that's why he kept referencing the smell. Well, and then obviously- that, the anger and frustration feels real as well. Mm. It feels like Stallone's speaking from a, a, a place of truth about his life and where his career has gone up until this point. So it's, it, 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 it's moving on a couple of levels. And then there's that beautiful moment where he chases him down the street and mm. you don't even hear them speak. He just puts his arm around him. They shake hands. It's yeah, it's a really great scene. Yep, that's the first time I cried on this watch. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, I think yes. I was about four in at this point. <laughs> what made you cry then? Was it was it? It was, be- it was the beautiful moment in the um, the apartment where <laughs> Adrian comes around. <laughs> love is true love. She just needed a nudge, didn't she? That was it. Sorry, it's my my mistake. When a woman isn't, if she won't meet you halfway, what the fuck are you supposed to do? Am I right? Ask her questions. Lock the door. <laughs> one of the most one of the most romantic scenes uh, in cinema history. Yeah. And, and also, when he opens the window, he's going, "You can get out of the window. There's a fire escape here." So I'm locking the front door because my neighbours are a nightmare. You've got to read between the lines. <laughs> Uh, now in the hero's journey, we've got tests, allies, and enemies because we've got the first training montage. Um, it's still dark when Rocky wakes up. Um, he's he puts on his black Converse trainers and his grey tracky. He drinks some eggs, which <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> which broke my brain when I was a child, and it's oh still God, it's, it's still it. shocking. It's still it's shocking, isn't it? Vile, vile, and a little bit of it goes on his jumper. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I don't remember that bit. The first person I ever remember eating raw eggs. Remember Brad in Neighbours, the blonde-haired surfer dude? I do. I remember, I remember seeing him eat raw eggs in, in a sequence from Neighbours, and, and that, that shocked me. So by the time I got to this and remembered this, you know, I was like, yeah, people do that. Athletes <laughs> athletes do that. Um, I, get, I got upset this time watching it, seeing him running in Converse as well, the damage he's doing to his feet. Yeah. Um, that's because if, if I've learned anything trying to stay fit in lockdown is wear proper running shoes when you're running or you will screw your Achilles up. Oh, especially seeing as he won't wear ice skates because he says they're bad for the ankles and then he sticks on some Converse. That's, that's a lack of support there. Yes, any athlete will tell you that. And, and actually mm. watching those behind-the-scenes sparring <laughs> videos, he's wearing Converse. Are, are, we, are we calling ourselves athletes in, the, athletes in that sentence? <laughs> any athlete will tell you that, as Chris and I just have. Uh, you know, It's all about the training shoe. Uh, or trainer, if you're in a rush. I have, I have actually played sport, Alex. So, um, no, I know, <laughs> I know. I, I wouldn't call you an athlete per se, though. Shall we have a fight? <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm watching that you, how long that would take. Mm, how long have you, we been? Oh, 50 minutes in. Christ, you've got, you have got, got the reach. You have got the reach on me. I've got the reach. I'm quick. I'm nimble. But I'm those arms, those weak arms. He's like a like a praying mantis. I'll jab at you. We see Rocky struggling up the the steps of the Philadelphia Museum of Art. The first time we see that scenario and he gets a stitch halfway up which is setting we're setting up here we're setting stuff up um he's also punching meat uh, at paulie's <laughs> place um and this is one of the first movies if not the first movie to use the steadicam because the mm. steadicam was invented by garrett brown who worked on this film um uh, special camera effects was his role he'd invented the camera in 73 and it's used here so you, the, he, they could flow in and out of the meat with no need for dollies and rails when uh, boxies, uh, when Rocky's boxing the meat. And it, it revolutionised the way movies were made. And, and later in the film, it, 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 it's in the most famous scene. Um, they use uh, the Steadicam. So, yeah, you see, you're seeing stuff on screen for the first time that absolutely changes <clears throat> movies. Hmm. There's a statue at the top of those stairs now, isn't there? Out of actually... Uh, Rocky doing the, the the champion pose, I think, in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, there is. Is it um, is it in the movies? Have I just mentioned something that is clearly it's in, in Creed, the... isn't it? Yeah, it's in Creed, I believe, because oh, okay. it's it's the Rocky. It's actually there. Right. Uh, Mickey tells him no sex before a fight because women weaken legs, and I don't know about you two, but I'm the same before a pod. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, got... you don't know about us two. <laughs> um, there's a troubling scene with Paulie again losing his temper with Adrian and smashing up the house. Oh, uh, yeah, the baseball at, bat. Oh. He shouts at Rocky, says awful things to Adrian, um, although it's clear he's really talking to himself here. Mm. So this is a guy that time's running out for him and, and life's getting away from him. And he's, the horrible things he's saying to her are really about himself. But yeah. rather than have... Uh, what you would expect, I think, in this moment is for Rocky to knock him out. But Rocky... He doesn't, and Adrian has a moment to really stand up for herself. She she shouts at him, telling him she's not a loser, and and this is her moment when she finally breaks away from him and, and, and moves in with Rocky, which is I think I think it's a good character moment for her. Definitely, that's 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 what I mean. He's giving her agency. It's like I'm not just going to step in and be your boyfriend and smash this bloke and whatever. I'm going to let you come to this conclusion by yourself. And he's there. He's presumably if it gets a bit out of hand or whatever but she's mm. allowed to come to that decision by herself which is really lovely yeah and 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 that's one of the joys of the rocky movies is watching their relationship the, the ups and downs and 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 what they bring to each other's lives is really emotional um right we've got the second training montage where as alex said uh, mickey uh, mickey shouts at him you'll be able to spit nails kid you'll eat lightning and you're going to crap thunder you're going to become mm-hmm. a very dangerous person. Oh. Uh, uh, oh, wow. Where did that come from? We well, got it right. How are we an hour into this? And that's that's your first Mickey? Jeez, that should have been at the I'm, top of the I'm, show. I'm wanting you to do some Rocky. I feel like you you've got must have that in your locker. <laughs> no, no, I can't. Um, all right, he's running with bricks. He's running through the market, catching fruit. He's he's running along the river. He's doing one arm press ups. He's hammering the meat. He's running faster and faster, and then he hits the steps and he powers up them as gonna fly now blares. And that steady cam f- flies around him in a way a, a normal camera wouldn't have been able to do, which is the most famous scene. Alex, have you been to Philadelphia and run up those steps? I feel like you've always been to these places when we are when we're talking about them. 
No, I haven't. Uh, but I would like to. I guess. Oh, actually, no, I wouldn't. There's stairs and running. What am I saying? No, I've watched. I'm sure there's a YouTube video. Maybe that's where we do our race. Finally, in Philadelphia. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll get sponsorship and go to Philadelphia and do it. All right. In Converse, like bad athletes. No, no. Any athlete will tell you that's bad. <laughs> Um, right now we're on to our approach to the inmost cave on the hero's journey or it's a literal dark night of the soul for Rocky because the night before the fight he goes out and he stands in the ring on his own looking at the size of the arena um, a scene that they added because as as you said they didn't have enough extras to fill that place um, so they couldn't shoot the whole arena during the fight they had to keep it dark during the fight and just show us the crowd by the ring and so it gives us a sense of the size of this um, event happening uh, the next day. He uh, comes back to Adrian um, and, and says, I can't beat him. Who am I kidding? I ain't even in the guy's league. And he just wants to go the distance because nobody's gone the distance with Creed, which is a nice way of telling us how the film's going to end. And if you're not a fight fan to sort of Yeah, I think it's a really clever to thing to do. I'd yeah. like to adjust your expectations, make it seem more real. And then anything, and, and you know, it's oft repeated, but then anything is a victory. As long as he doesn't like fall down in round one, it, it, he's won, basically. I think I it's a clever like thing to do. I like that Adrian doesn't fill him with false hope as well. She's not sitting there saying, "Oh no, you're going to win. You can win. A, you can win this." She just sort of supports him with love, and it's it's a beautiful moment because um, all he wa- you know, he wants to n- know for the first time in his life that he isn't just a bum from the neighbourhood, as he puts it. Mm. Um, that's all he's asking for, which is what Stallone believes made the movie. Is 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 that quote? He says the film really has an impact in the sense that Rocky goes into the fight knowing he's going to lose, which is the most extraordinary act of heroism. It's all about idealism, and I wasn't aware of that at the time, but I am now. That is what's endured. It's not that Rocky is the most finely crafted film of all time or the finest performance ever. It just somehow touched the nerve that every one of us can somehow relate to. (sighs) And so then we're into the ordeal, which is the fight. Uh, But first things first, can we talk about Adrian's glow up? Because she looks amazing in that <laughs> it's black, unbelievable. In that she black looks blazer, incredible. that red yeah. beret. But are you, Vicky Crompton, are you disappointed that we don't get to see a makeover scene? I no. was just going to say that it was in my changes, but I'll talk about it now. Where is she going? She's She doesn't exist without Rocky. She doesn't exist without her brother. She doesn't have an establishing scene by herself. So she's just off shopping the shit out of everyone. <laughs> and you never see it. And I just, I really want to see Talia Shai walking down the street. She sees the, the ruffled blouse and the red beret and she walks past the window she's like hello and pops in and then emerges and she's like I got a boyfriend I got a hat like <laughs> everything's come together I left my abusive brother perfect and you see, you she see, does you look see amazing a, you see a bit of that story in Rocky 2 actually early on when he's got a bit of money and all he wants to do is take her out and buy her things yeah. So um, suddenly she's got everything she could dream of. But all she wants is Rocky. <laughs> she doesn't want the money. She just wants Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Apollo enters the ring dressed as George Washington. Um, Amazing. Yeah. He's mugging while, while dressed in his stars and stripes and, and, and he's shouting Creed in three and he's clearly not taking uh, the fight seriously, which is important, again, to make what happens um, a bit more believable. Joe Frazier's there and he introduces the fight. And he's quite a fitting guy to do that because he was the first fighter to beat Muhammad Ali. Um, although he lost to him in a rematch, uh, he, he's, you know, beat the real life Apollo Creed. And then we've got the fight, which is um, eight minutes of pure adrenaline. Um, They brought in a boxing coach for this, um, but Stallone and the boxing coach did no get on. Um, For example, Stallone said he wants Apollo to come out and throw 
four right hands in a row and the coach told him that would never happen. Stallone said it would happen because he's Apollo Creed. And the coach quit. It was done. <laughs> uh, and so Avelton said to Stallone, you've got, to, you've got to script this fight. Write it as a script. Choreograph it. So he went away, uh, wrote the fight up, um, and they learned it like a ballet. Uh, Stallone turned the ring into a clock, and the pair of them moved around the numbers as they pummeled each other in unison. And oh. he said, I wanted perspiring poetry. The fight at the end had to go beyond the dimension of pain. Wow. Yeah, I think I think they trained for like thirty-five hours to get that fight right. And Rocky knocks him down in the first round, uh, but Apollo comes back fighting and taunts him. Uh, Apollo knocks Rocky down and breaks his nose. Uh, Mickey says, "Go for the ribs, don't let the bastard breathe," which is the extent of the boxing strategy in this fight. Which uh, I think they did. You not did, did you not love that? Where because I mean that was I, I love the the fact that they bothered to set it up at the start when Rocky's like, it's, "I've never had my nose broken." <laughs> That's why I don't do Rocky. Uh, but he he makes a point of saying, "In all the fights, people have tried to break my nose, and then bang, it gets broken really on early on in the fight." And you're like, "Uh oh, he's uh -oh, not. We're in trouble he, here." This, but exactly. But Apollo knows he's in trouble. He says he doesn't know it's a damn show. He thinks it's a fight. Mm. Um, and then they start going at each other. And um, the bell rings and they go at each other more after the bell, which is one of my favorite moments in a Rocky film. You've got to have the two fighters going at each other after the bell rings. Mm. Um, and the rounds fly by. You've got Bill Conti's amazing music playing as there's a montage of, of brutality flashes before bad. our eyes. I felt bad for the... Um... The woman painted silver dressed as the Statue <laughs> of Liberty who's holding up the fight round numbers because yep. everyone had been told that this wasn't going to go past three fights. And I imagine she was like, fine, I'll wear this, but it's very hot and the paint itches, but it'll only be for three fights. And then you see her holding up 14. You're like, you poor thing. You, you didn't think you'd be doing that for 14 rounds of a fight. No, poor lady. Yeah, it's three, it's three rounds, not three fights, Alex. We've got to get the terminology right here. Three fights, no hugging. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Rocky's eyes closing up, and then we, we, we pretty quickly get to the 14th round, uh, which is where everything happens. Uh, as, as they walk out, the commentators say, what is keeping him up? I don't know. He can't keep his gloves up to protect himself, in reference to Rocky. Uh, and Apollo knocks him down and Apollo goes to his corner and starts celebrating. Adrian enters the arena, which is so dramatic, but so <laughs> right for the moment. And then on the hero's journey, we get the resurrection because Mickey's telling him, stay down, down, stay down. But Rocky gets up and then Apollo can't believe his eyes, which is another favorite of my moments from these films. Um, and Adrian, we cut to her. She's crying not to cry. And then Rocky gets up and beckons Apollo over for more fight. And Apollo shakes his head, which is another thing I love in a Rocky film. You've got to have the guy shaking his head in disbelief. Um, and uh, Rocky starts destroying Apollo's ribs, but he's saved by the bell. And uh, back in his corner, he asked he asked Mickey to cut him. And did you like the bit when the blood the blood spurts out of his eye? What are they doing there? What are we, are they're actually well, to relieve the pressure because it's he's swelling up so yeah. much. The, you can't the swelling, see. the swelling meaning yeah, exactly. Swelling means he can't see, and so they right. cut it. The blood drains out, and he can open Five his eye again. Them. I was just like, I thought they were cutting off a bit of his eyelid <laughs> so he could see. I was like, that that's permanent though. So you're. <laughs> You'll never be able to. You'll never be able to wink at anyone or sleep. 
reasonable price but, to pay. <laughs> that uh, makes more sense. Swelling, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then the music drops out as they leave their corners and circle the ring for the final round and they look like they've been in a war. But they still give it everything and they're smashing away each other and finally Rocky gets on top and then the final bell goes and they're holding each other and keeping each other up and the music comes in and he's being interviewed but he's not answering the questions. He's just shouting. What's he shouting, Alex? Do the impression. Adrian! <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there we go. And then finally on the hero's journey, we get the reward because Adrian's fighting through the crowd to get to him. She loses her hat on the way. Uh, Paulie helps her get into the ring while Rocky's screaming her name. And um, we hear that it's a split decision in the background and she gets to Rocky and the first thing he says is, hey, where's your hat? <laughs> <laughs> Which I'd never noticed before, and it really, really makes me laugh. But I guess it's it's his focus is so much on her immediately that it's the first thing he thinks of, which is just a funny moment that he's just done all that and he's thinking about her. I will uh, say, Chris, if this um, if this podcasting thing doesn't work out for you, you could quite easily be a boxing match commentator. I feel like I relived the fight I just watched two days <laughs> ago. Uh, it's uh, quite incredible. Could you could you arrange that for me? Y- yes. Okay. Let's say yes. Um, And they announced that Apollo has won by split decision, but you can't really hear it properly because it's drowned out by Adrian Mm. and Rocky saying that they love each other. And that's where it ends because that's what the movie is about. That one second in life where everything comes together and you're on top of the world and it freezes on his face in that moment. And I'm in bits again. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, good. So, yeah. That would, I think that was my, my biggest crying. It's the, from the minute that he calls her over for the first time and her whole journey through the crowd to him, to the ring, and that freeze at the end, I was like, I couldn't stop. I was filling teacups. Well, it's because, you know, I, people who don't like sports, I don't like sports movies, which is ridiculous because the sports movie is never about the sport. It hardly ever is. And when it is, it's often not very good. And so... Nobody in this movie cares who's won or lost or drawn that match. It's about these two people who found each other, and it's such a, it's such a beautiful spot to to freeze it on. And as Stallone says, that is the greatest moment in Rocky's life, that split second. So um, the president of MGM saw it and then decided he wanted to sell it to director TV. <laughs> he was not particularly impressed but he was talked out of it which is a good thing as the film grossed 117 million in the states having been made for less than 1 million Um, it received 10 academy award nominations and stallone did something unique well not unique but he was the third individual to receive a screenplay and actor nomination in the same year do you know who the other two were uh Orson Welles didn't do it, did he? Yep, Orson Welles. He's in pretty good company. And Sylvester Stallone, didn't he do it again? Oh, no, he didn't. No, because he didn't Orson, write no, It's Creed. Orson Welles, um, Sylvester Stallone and Charlie Chaplin. Those are your three. Oh. Ah. And that's, that's your lot with Rocky. Any more? No, that's good for me. I feel like I've been on a journey. Okay. A hero's journey. Very good. Vicky, favourite oh, scene. Wait, very quickly... Michael Dorn uh, plays one of Apollo Creed's bodyguards, which I'd never realised before. Worf from The Next Generation. I'm a big <laughs> big Star Trek fan, and I was like, it's his film debut, Michael Dorn, in this well, movie. Uh, I will say, not, not, not all trivia is good trivia. Uh, Vicky, uh-huh. what's your best scene? 
it, uh, no, the thing is, I didn't. Uh, sorry, just one second. I didn't notice that, but I love him as well. So that's really Thank cool. You. Thank <laughs> you. Um, it's the training montage, the um, with the music. So it may be because I can smash that on a bass guitar, no problem. Um, but it just really got me. I was just like, yeah, <laughs> run up those steps. It's perfect. Alex. Oh, well, I'm quite grateful I've got two because my first one has come under some severe scrutiny from one corner of the pod. Um, Was that really your favourite scene? Are you kidding me? The pet, no, not the, not, the, not the one where he locks her in and looms. Oh, right. okay, too much looming in that scene for even me, and I like looming. But okay. uh, it's the pet shop monologue. The first time he goes into the pet shop uh, where you said he's harassing her at work, <laughs> I genuinely was really moved by that scene. I thought, mm. here's a guy trying his pants off to charm this girl, and mm-hmm. her shyness makes it impossible for her to communicate back with him. And so he's just sort of, the bit where he's going, these birds look like candy, huh? The candy, they look, the birds are like candy. Hey, guys, don't get up, I'm leaving. And you're like, just he, any words that he can put in a row, he's trying his <laughs> hardest. Um, but yeah, I really I really like that scene. Uh, but just as a safety net, Victoria, <laughs> I've also got um, when Apollo Creed gets knocked down in the first round of the, of the fight and you're just like, game on. And the atmosphere just totally changes in that climax in that moment. Yep, mine's mine's round fourteen. Um, that that the moment that Rocky goes down. Um, just 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 the the way it's all edited together of Adrian watching and Mickey showing him to stay down and Apollo celebrating and Rocky getting up and Apollo shaking his head and Rocky beckoning him and they go at it again. I think I think that is the perspiring poetry that Stallone was going for. Alex, what is your most valuable whatever? I mean, it's got to be sliced alone, really, hasn't it? I'm giving a special mention to Burgess Meredith um, as Mickey. Uh, I think he's great. Um, I don't know if he was the first choice for the role. I I can't remember if if you said that. I do remember that apparently... He most definitely was not. No, a lot of the other people who were asked, though, uh, said no outright because they were of a calibre that they didn't feel that they should have to screen test for Sylvester Stallone for the role. And so eventually it came down to Burgess, but he's great. But yeah, it's got to be Sylvester Slum. Oh, what a movie. What a, what a way to create something and then to carry it on with mixed results. But, you know, he's one of the most enduring cinematic characters um, ever. So uh, <laughs> respect. Uh, Vicky? Um, Talia Shire for me. Um, I, do, I do think Sylvester Stallone is a brilliant actor, but I think he gets better. And I think that scene where he goes home and he realizes he's been to the arena and he realizes he's not up to it. He, I don't, I mean, he, you know, I don't think he's the best actor in that scene. I think she carries a lot of it. Um, and I think the love story is so important to this film. And so her performance, where she legitimizes the, the way that they got together for me, it carries that like it makes me realize how sweet he is and, and what a good couple they are and it helped me just get over that sort of wrinkle of like the way that their relationship started was not it didn't come across the right way to me it came across as like uh aggressive and quite harassy and not cool so her for that interesting so the the romantic element and is your favorite bit of this movie despite everything that we've discussed yeah for sure because i get it and i Hmm. get that i think it was just a flaw in the writing because that's not that he's not that guy Hmm. but i i tried to watch it not thinking about it and i watched it again and it's like look i'm I'm not being oversensitive it doesn't look it's not good if that happened if i said to you that that happened to me you would tell me to call the police 
I'd, I'd go find the guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know what you're doing in a room with Sylvester Stallone. Oh, victim blame. Oh, good one, Chris. Idiots. <laughs> no, listen. It's uh, this is an honest question. I, I understand that you're saying oh that, that, that it didn't come across in the way that I think the writers intended. But if by the end you are convinced that the, the relationship was wholesome, does that not retroactively make you go, oh well, that scene probably wasn't the way I interpreted it. Well, yeah, I mean, it sort of does, but there's so much work gone into that scene. It's a quite a long scene. And yeah. then, bang, she's into him. He's got a nice jumper on. She doesn't wear glasses anymore. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. oh, okay. oh, my God. Oh, my God. She, does she ever put them back on? I don't think she does. I'm like, did you need those glasses? Because it's like he takes them off and then she never goes, I, I can't. She's watching TV in the next scene. It's like, do, do you not need them to see the TV screen? <laughs> it could have done with this scene where she's like, my shyness was so powerful, <laughs> unbelievably, that I needed you to say you don't have to kiss me back, which is the creepiest thing I've ever heard the... in my life. Maybe oh. she couldn't see out of the glasses. She couldn't see anyone. She didn't know where she was. <laughs> <laughs> she certainly couldn't see the knives. Uh, my MVW, I am going for Bill Conti. Um, I, I couldn't find the quote, but I remember years ago seeing Stallone say, saying something like, the success of Rocky, 75% of it was down to the music. Um, I don't know if that's true, but it's an interesting story. Um, <clears throat> they all say that, made, the people who made this film all say that if they had had more money, they would have got someone else in to do the music, um, wow. more expensive, but they couldn't afford anyone. So um, uh, they found this guy and the instruction was simple. He had, to, he had to write music that would make the audience think that Rocky has a shot. And I think he absolutely nailed it. And I think what's even more amazing is he recorded all that music in just three hours. Huh. Um, so, yeah, good job, Bill Conti. Yeah. Change, changes, ch changes. Uh, Vicky. So there's a bit where Rocky is training and Mickey, I think it's Mickey, ties his ankles together with string and mm -hmm. says you need to learn to balance, right? And I was like, oh, okay, cool, because I know fuck all about boxing. So to me, Rocky's talent as a boxer is his uh, stamina and his brawn. So he's, he's going for the body, like all of that. And the trick that Mickey was teaching him about, I'm going to tie your ankles together so you're going to learn to balance and don't hit this thing as hard and all the rest of it. I was like, oh, cool, I'm going to learn something about boxing. And I did learn something about boxing in Creed, and I would have liked to have learned some techniques, some something about boxing beyond hit this person as hard as you can. Unless that's all it is, but I don't know. I don't know if that's all it is. No, I, I, I agree. I agree because I did mention it earlier, actually, that the, the only strategy you hear in the, in the, in the movie is Mickey suggesting, uh, telling Rocky to go for his ribs. Mm. And we get mm. much more strategy in the latter films because, I mean, there is, there is a an overall arching strategy in the way, the way Rocky fights. He's a counterpuncher. He's a guy that takes a lot of damage a lot of punches through the fight, wears mm. the other guy down and then comes through in the final few rounds. And those those kind of guys don't end up boxing for very long because it's it's a brutal life being a counterpuncher. But yeah. that's something that could have been explained in this film, but they uh, they didn't. Um, yeah, I concur. Because then you would have... Because uh, I, what I thought was going to happen in the scene was that Rocky wasn't uh, as good on his feet and that was why he was being taught that and having his shoelaces tied together. I even imagined him having a pratfall at that point going over because he wasn't used to having to move his feet that quickly and I thought we'd then see that come back into the fight at the end like suddenly Mickey was like move your feet and then bang you've got a call back to that moment but no Alex change uh, the Maria scene uh, for I just I, I just remember at the time going I get it Rocky is a really good guy um, 
But even though he acknowledges the fact that he's a creepo at the end and she calls him a creepo and he's like, I am, what am I doing? I'm trying to tell this kid um, her business. Uh, it's If it was one of the only scenes where we see what a good guy he is, I'd be like, well, leave it in. Um, but we've seen that and I don't feel it adds anything. Um, but beyond that, I, I kind of like it. You know, you were talking about the moments that you love in the fights at the end, which we do get in Creed. I would have liked just a little nod from Apollo to Rocky, go like acknowledging how impressed he is with how well he did and how unexpected that was for Apollo. Now I know their relationship grows over the series, but I think at the end of the fight, it would have been nice if he just sort of like, you know, gone well done, kid, or something. Do you not think that comes through when he says he doesn't want a rematch? I would, yeah. Well, I thought you were going to say that because I don't really know what that means. No, I don't. To be honest, I don't know what that means in this context. Um, right. It's. I don't know why he's saying it. Whether he's saying it because he hasn't earned one, or it, he's saying it because he's done all he needed to do. Or uh, Rocky saying, "I don't want one." It makes a lot more sense at the start of Rocky Two when 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 they start arguing about whether they're going to have a rematch or not. But mm. um, yeah, it's weird. Um, my change. Uh, well, is it, there's a character I don't buy. Um, and that's the Lone Shark Gazzo, um, played by the great Joe Spinell, who's an amazing actor who could be absolutely terrified on screen. And here he seems to be the nicest Lone Shark in all of America. <laughs> you yeah. know, if, if, if Rocky's got a fight against the heavyweight champion in the world, a Lone Shark would be paying him or, or trying to figure out some way of fixing something. And uh, I just, I don't really buy into his character. And I think it's a, it, it doesn't really ring true to, to, to the, the, the world that's been set up in this film. Is it even clear whether that $500 he gives him, he's going to ask back in the future with interest? Or is it just a gift? Because that is not how loan sharks tend to operate. Exactly. Here's 500 pounds. Have fun. He's so <laughs> generous. Um, mm. But that's not my change. My change is the seduction scene. Um, I think it is mishandled as well. Um, Can we divide uh, them up? Which one? Pet shop or apartment? <laughs> apartment. I think, okay. I think I know. I feel like I know what they were going for in terms of their attraction being almost animalistic at the end, the way they're sort of, she's pouring it. She, she's sort of on top of him at the end of it, but it's just uncomfortable to watch. And I, I don't think it's really Rocky. The way he behaves doesn't feel yeah. like him. And yeah. so I, I'm with Vicky. And, and, and in terms of your suggestion of, of her kissing him, I think that, would have been a very fine solution to that scene. And also it's weird when they sort of collapse in the grubby corner of his apartment when there is at least a sofa that isn't upright full of knives in the other corner. I like like (laughs) that, though. I like the – it's it's this passion. Uh, As I say, this almost animalistic passion. It's just – I think the stuff before then is a bit bit off. Wooden wooden floor is painful on the knees. Um, Any athlete will tell you that. Great stuff. So, uh, that's us uh, done uh, with Rocky, I believe. Um, Do you fancy a quiz? I think we should, because like Rocky, Vicky rose from the canvas last week and ended up up winning. She's on the comeback trail. But can she make it two for two? Oh, man. We're dealing with fantastic fights this week. Um, So your quiz concerns brutal battles. I'll give you the opponents. You tell me who won. Okay. And we're starting off with... that's interesting. I'm interested. I'm interested. We're starting starting off with a comedy battle. In 2002, Les Dennis fought Bob Mortimer for comic relief. Uh, The pair (laughs) boxed for three rounds, but which of them won? Bob Mortimer Bob Mortimer. Correct. (laughs) Bob Mortimer. All right, we've got a musical battle now. 
Blur v Oasis, Summer of 95. Blur, Blur one. <laughs> See, the, the quicker you say it to make it sound like you're sure, the easier it is for your other person. <laughs> right, we've got a historical battle now. You're two for two, both of you. Let's see your history. Who won the Battle of Hastings? Was it William and the Normans or was it Harold and the Anglo-Saxons? It was, it was William, William and the Normans. Wasn't yep. it? Yep. I fucking out. I thought, I was like... Everyone is. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were like, no, actually. Yeah. But okay, good. We've got a custody battle now. Kramer oh, versus Kramer. Meryl Street one. Yes, Alex. Meryl Street one. Yes, Vicky helped you there. <laughs> um, right now, this is a trickier one because I witnessed this and you guys didn't. Um, when former Hobbit Elijah Wood fought former Hobbit Dominic Monaghan in a boxing ring <laughs> at a film festival I attended in 2011. Who won? Oh, Ooh, I, I think... reckon I reckon uh, Dominic's Dominic's a bit more of a brawler than That's what I think, Elijah. Yeah. But but if you're picking Dominic, then I'll pick I, Elijah. I would like to. Yeah, would like you? To pick this is me being gracious. I, I even though I thought Dominic, I'm going to say can Elijah. Pick if you want, because I've got a tiebreaker question. So okay, fine. Oh. I'll pick Dominic as well then. Okay, me too. See, Elijah worked out really hard for that fight, but Dom smashed him. No. And there is footage. I will, I will post some footage because it's very entertaining. <laughs> because everyone was thinking, there's their mates. Because it's, it's an event at Fantastic Fest where two people debate each other and then fight each other. And um, sometimes when it's two mates, they don't really go at each other. But these two, it was, they were drawing blood. It was wow. hard. <laughs> okay. Oh, is that, is that, is that going to be our arena, Chris? <laughs> Sorry? Um, is that, is that, do you want to do it could. in front of... Every year they ask me to get involved, but I'm a lover, not a fighter, so I've always turned it down. But if I, I would fight you. I would fight We'd you. <laughs> this, yeah. There's a lot of hugging as well in boxing. There's a lot yeah. of hugging. Yeah. And I've got... Uh, my low centre of gravity would, would help me defeat you. Um, we've got a chess, <laughs> a chess battle now. Okay. And this one happened in Philadelphia in 1996. Gary Kasparov played a computer called Deep Blue. Yeah, he but did. But who won? I think Gary Kasparov won. I think Deep Blue won. This is the final question as well. So we do have a winner. And the winner is... Vicky! Yes! Kasparov won! Yes! Well, <laughs> Deep Blue beat... No. I have the steps. Wait for it, wait for it. Boom, boom. Yes! Uh, Wait, the, computer, the computer beat him in a rematch, but yeah, in the original, eventually, yeah. in the original, uh, in the original fight, Kasparov okay. won. Man beat machine. Well played, Vicky. Thank you. Congratulations, congratulations. Well done. Uh, right then, uh, while you're on a roll, Victoria, um, give us a clue for next week's films. No, is it? <laughs> I will not. You bloody it's will. My turn. You're really confused about this this week, aren't you, Alex? I am. You were confused I don't know over when... WhatsApp. I... Uh, I'm it's never doing mind. the clue. Right. Okay. The clue is there ain't no saviour like a gun-toting white saviour. <laughs> Lovely business. There ain't no saviour like a gun-toting white saviour. There you go. That is the clue for next week's films. Remembering just one of the films needs to be a Best Picture winner. It is Oscar season that continues on ClashPod next week. And before then, on Thursday, with Creed going up against today's Best Picture winner, Rocky. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate, and indeed review us if you have the time. It's great help. And check in with us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod. Back on Thursday for some Creed.
This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network. 